0: John 15 says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, believe it or not, he prunes. That's unfortunate. That it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Lord, we just say as, a, as friends and family that we recognize Your Lordship, Lord. We recognize your superiority. We worship your name. And we're so thankful, God. My heart is so thankful for the very costly grace, costly for you, that you extended to me. Lord, would you give us grace to abide in you? Draw us close, Lord. Give us grace to stay, to stay in your presence, to seek your face, to know you personally, in close spaces, intimately, in ways that we, we don't even know how. Lord, open our ears and our hearts this morning to receive your word, to receive your encouragement, to receive your rebuke. Whatever it is you have for us, God, we just want it. Correction, guidance, encouragement, comfort. We just want the real stuff. We want your things, God. I don't want to hear about the things of God. I want to I encounter, I want to have the things of God. I know I have you, Lord. Lord, teach me. Speak through me. Deposit your word in our hearts and change us, Lord. From glory to glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, my family, for serving us. So, if you haven't been to the awakening before, uh, we believe in uh, prophetic words. It may be comfortable, uncomfortable, some of you, not too concerned, but essentially uh, we believe that God still speaks to men and women. Usually more to women, but we believe that God still speaks to us. And, uh, this morning when I was, uh, worshiping, uh, I feel like the Lord, uh, gave me uh, a word for you, but I don't know you. I don't think. What's your name? Darby? Oh, not Darby. Emily. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm talking to you. Yeah. So, I was worshiping this morning, and uh, uh, I feel like the Lord highlighted you to me. And it's funny now because you're like sitting under the spotlight, so it's really, this is really good. That has, that's not spiritual at all. It's just funny. Uh, be, it's not weird. Um, that actually did, a you know, funny story that happened one morning when we were here. I said, Lord, would you, would you just highlight someone who, uh, who you're like, you know, moving in? And there were four people who were sitting under the spotlights, and they all had on the same color shirt. It was really weird. God does stuff like that sometimes. Other times, it's real normal, so. I feel like this is pretty straightforward. Um, Darby, what do you do? do? (laughs) Emily! (laughs) Emily, don't tell me what you do. This is, uh, when I was over there praying and worshiping, uh, I felt like the Lord said that you're like Rebecca. So Rebecca, in Scripture, uh, was the wife of Isaac. And she was actually found because someone was sent for her. Are you married? Okay, cool. I am. I just got married. It's really great. God, God bless you when that comes. Um, she was sent, and essentially, he, the guy who was sent, the servant, had this little prayer. Um, that uh, went something like, "God, let the first woman who you know lets all the camels drink and fills us up, you know, let her be the one." And uh, God was like, "All right, cool. I'll do that with you." And uh, anyways. What it was getting at was her kindness and her generosity. Um, I feel like the Lord has made you a very kind and a very generous person, that those are things that are, are, are just the way you are, you know. Other things maybe you have to work more towards or Lord's got to turn your heart more to get there, but I feel like kindness and generosity just move throughout you. Uh, and I just want to tell you how valuable that is uh, and how valuable it is to your friends and how valuable That will be uh, to a husband one day. Um, Secondly, God, I live with a very kind and generous woman. So I just, it is, it's tremendous. Um, Changes your life. And so um, secondly, I feel like the Lord said you're a teacher. And so I don't know if that is any kind of passion in your heart, but I I saw you uh, in specific moments uh, just pouring out uh, truth, uh, kindness, generosity, uh, and teaching people and sharing. Um, and so I don't, I don't know what you do or what you're about, but I just really feel like um, God gives grace to you to teach, uh, to share, uh, to help others learn. Uh, and it, it's your kindness and generosity in that that really, like, help and inspire people to be willing to learn, uh, to be willing to approach things. And so uh, you don't have to be a teacher to be a great teacher. Um, but I wanted you to know that I, I just couldn't get off my mind, so I literally was praying and, and reading through over there. Um, but I feel like the Lord said, you're, you're just like Rebecca, you're kind, and you're generous. Uh, and that is just a tremendous, tremendous thing. Uh, kindness is by far the most underrated uh, quality in our, in our world. Uh, but it's tremendous. Uh, and one day, I do believe. So, Lord, I just, I bless, not Darby, but Emily. I bless Emily. Uh, God, thank you so much uh, for the way you've made her kind and generous and given her grace uh to teach others and to encourage them to learn and to be inspired so bless you nice to meet you so uh this morning if you guys will get out your bibles or your phone bibles or whatever you've got we are going to be in the word so this morning we're going to be in John 5 stereotypically I love the gospel of John it's very emotional and dramatic and really beautiful so what do you know? I love it. Um, I love John 5. I want to tell you a true story. I was, uh, I was riding back home. I'm a, I'm a DJ. Uh, well, I run a DJ company, and uh, I hope to actually one day have, like, four turntables at once and, and, and maybe record spinning in the other hand. But uh, we love hosting events. Uh, we love throwing people's weddings and other stuff. We just It's a great, great fun for us. And uh, I w- did this event down in St. Simon's. It was like the weekend before we were headed to the beach to go get married. Uh, and I was, I mean, it was I was all over the state. It was crazy. Friday night, I was in um, St. Simons at B. Farms' wedding. And then Saturday, I was uh, somewhere else in North Georgia. And Sunday, I was at church and then somewhere else. It was just wild. Um, so coming back up from St. Simons, I uh, was like, all right, Lord, I got like, mm, I don't know, five hours uh, from 1030 to like four in the morning um, to get home. So what should I do? You know, like I was kind of not really sure what to do, but I decided to download the Gospel of John. Does anybody else buy stuff where you like you set up a recurring account and then you forget you have it? I did that. You did that. (laughs) That was awesome. I met Gracie and she was actually still on, uh, which one was it? She, did, she was on eHarmony for like a month. And I was like, ah, whatever, eHarmony. And then I, I met, yeah, two years later she was still paying. And so I got to call in and be like, she's found a boyfriend. <laughs> Cancel her subscription. We're serious. <laughs> Thank God she was serious. I was so serious. Um, so anyway, so I'm, uh, I did that with Audible. So if you've ever seen Audible on your phone, you, I, I love it. Um, it's really great for when I have business trips and road trips, uh, just taking my little Bluetooth and listening uh, to a book or a sermon or the Gospel of John. And so, but I forgot. So I had like, like six credits stored up from Audible. You only get one a month. So I guess I've been just racking away $14 to Audible every month. But it was awesome when I found that I had six credits. And so I downloaded John, and I'm listening. Um, and John, uh, I love this book. Uh, one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture, uh, John 15, uh, which I just read from, is is obviously in John because it's called John 15. And uh, I listen to the whole thing. And also, do you guys like the uh, dramatic versions or the non-dramatic versions? Raise your hand for dramatic versions of Scripture reading. Raise your hand for non-dramatic versions. See, I can't handle when they're like telling the story and there's like rumbling music in the background and I don't know. I just can't. I can't handle it. My ADD just kicks me too hard. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm like painting a picture with my uncreative mind and trying to. Anyway, so it doesn't work out. So downloaded John and I'm listening. Um, did anybody else grow up in church? All right. This is great. This is actually. This, I'm never going to do this. So stand up if you grew up in church just so we can get a grid. All right. Sit down. I grew up in church as well. Stand up in this room if you are in leadership in any capacity, with your job, with your business, with anything, or if you've been defined as a leader or called a leader or whatever, if you're in leadership. Okay. Thank you. So I'm listening to John 5, and I grew up in the church, and like I said earlier, um, I, I don't want to just know the things of God unless he, he shows them to me. Um for example, I, I really love the pastor of our church. He's a good friend and he's a good boss. Y'all don't know that, but I know the second one, um, that he, he takes good care of me, Travis, right? But I also know he's, he's very truthful. For right, wrong, or indifferent, he's, he's very direct and truthful about his approach to God. He wants the real stuff. He wants the real deal. And I love that about him. And so I, I kind of, even though I love hearing things from them, I would 100 times out of 100 want to hear things directly from God. I want, we want a Holy Spirit to reveal something to me more than Travis or any other man that I respect to that level. Um, there's, a, there's, a change, there's an intimacy that's increased. There's a, a, a realness uh, that's established when God himself is speaking to you and moving as you read Scripture. It's, it's different. You know. If, if you look around your life and the only sources of, of biblical insight, wisdom, uh, movement in your spiritual life from other men, then make some changes. They need, you need to know God more than men, more than godly men, more than mentors, more than disciples. You need to know God. We must. We must know him. And discipling is great, and mentoring is great, and Travis is a good friend and boss and subsequently has good character and leads our church well. But I want to know God much more than I know Travis, and I really respect Travis but I want to know God much, much more. So, reading John five, have read through John, love John, but I get, I get, I get struck by this series of events and this comment uh, that that Jesus makes that was very direct. Uh, and and we're gonna get to that. That's like the whole crux of today um, is this comment. Travis and Jessica shared last week, and they talked about asking at the end of the service uh, if you weren't here or if you don't remember um, just. What's something that God's asking you to get out of the way? So as a, as a church leadership, we really believe uh, very strongly that God is taking us as a community deeper, very specifically, and that requires more. I believe that God is going to upgrade and increase um, our intimacy, our faith, our character, all of that stuff in this season right now. I believe it's very, very much coming soon. It's like the work of the Lord that is happening amongst us. But I must tell you that that I, I feel like at least for me I'm going to talk through this a bit it looks a little different than other spiritual moments have looked in my life. But I absolutely, with everything that I am as a man, believe that is the work that the Lord is doing right now in our community, is taking us all deeper, very specifically, in intimacy, in, in faith, in character, moving, moving deeper. Deeper roots, establishing us us in the faith. All right? So, here we go. John 5, 1 through 24. Jesus did a naughty thing. That's what this should be called. Jesus did a naughty thing. Made everybody real mad. So, John 5, I'm going to read. The healing at the pool on the Sabbath. The pool of Bethesda. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. Now I want you to think about that for a second. Do you know how long 38 years is? Like I'm 30, and I feel like I've lived... A tremendous amount of things. Even in the past eight years, I'm like, oh my gosh, so much has happened in my life. Even in the past three, you know, it's it's just 38 years to be in the same condition. Understand, that's like a, that's a long time. That's a depth that it's hard to kind of fathom. So he have been there for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he says a very peculiar thing to him. Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him. (laughs) I would be like, yes, Doc, fix me. (laughs) You know, like, I don't know who you are, but whatever you got, you know, it's like, I don't know. He's been laying at this pool that supposedly has healing powers, and a man comes up and says, do you want to be healed? And the sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. They believe that there was an angel that came and stirred the waters of the pool, and the first one to get in would be healed. So it's in some Bibles. It's not in others. There's debates over if it was part of the early manuscripts, blah, blah, blah. Here's where we're going. Jesus said to him, get up, take your bed, and walk. So we've heard this story, right, For group in church. He told the man to take his pallet and get up, you know? Very interesting exchange, right? Do you want to be healed? Sir, I can't be healed because every time the water gets stirred up, I'm, <laughs> I can't walk. Someone gets in before me. No one's here to put me in. Take, take your mat and get up. And once the man was healed and he took his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. Now, if you grew up in church, or if you didn't, this doesn't really matter. But I know for me in my experience, sometimes I wondered why they tried to kill Jesus. Like, why did they hate Jesus so much? This next uh, set here of verses is a, is a really is a microcosm of the whole New Testament of why they tried to kill Jesus. Because not only did he break Everything that was sacred to them, but then he also said, I am God. And Father God, Yahweh, established me. That is why they wanted to kill him. It was the most blasphemous thing that someone could have done in their eyes. Jesus answered them, my father is working until now, and I am working. 18. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath and every other sacred rule, But he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. 19, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these he will show him, so that you may marvel. For as the father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the son gives life to whom he will. Mode of conversation, right? Do you want to be healed? I want you to take about four seconds and close your eyes and think about the long term issue in your life or family. All right. Do you want to be healed? Don't answer. Why did Jesus ask this man this question? He's obviously laying by a healing pool. Jesus, Scripture says, had known he had been lame for 38 years. So if, we, if Jesus knew that he had been lame, and if what's in the natural told him he's at an area of healing... Why does Jesus ask him? Do you want to be healed? It's it's very peculiar. Keep going. I believe that Jesus was asking this man. Are you ready to l- cut ties? with everything that your problems do for you. Scripture says he knew. He'd been an invalid for 38 years. His eyeballs told him that he's at the pool of Bethesda for healing. And Jesus asked him, do you want to be healed? See, in our brokenness, see, we have a flesh and a spirit, right? We're born again, and we give the spirit the seat of power. We say, I'm led by the Holy Spirit. You know, constantly, by the grace of God, we're aiming to kill our flesh. Continue to put the old man in the grave. You know, that's gospel, 101. That's what Jesus had to come in the flesh, take authority over the flesh. But in our flesh, in our addictions, in our brokenness, in our misery, it does something for us. Right? So, I spent two years the better part of two years in a thick depression. It obviously was terrible. At the same time, in a really twisted way, it did something for me. I I had a relationship with it. It allowed me to avoid people. It allowed me to not take responsibility for my mistakes. It allowed me to not see things clearly. Some things I didn't want to see clearly. Broken relationships that I had, I didn't want to see their brokenness. Yes, depression is terrible. Absolutely. It's a killer, literally. But it did something for me. I had, I had, a, I had an affection for it in my flesh. I believe that's what Jesus is asking this man. Do you want to be healed? Are, are you ready to, to cut ties with whatever your situation has brought you? You know, here's a, another one that I find common in our generation especially, especially in leaders, especially. We talk a lot about um, not desiring the praise of man, right, but desiring to an audience of one. Honor God alone. But are you ready to honor God alone? Are you ready to only receive the praise from God? Is your heart ready for people not to praise you? Is your mind ready to stand firm and know who you are in Christ when everyone around you is not telling you how awesome you are? Do you want to be healed? I believe that's what Jesus is asking this man. He's asking him in his heart, is he ready for that transition, is he ready to cut ties with the things of the flesh that have been in a twisted way aiding him? The man didn't even get it. He said, "Well, I can't get healed, man, nobody I can't walk. they stir it up. nobody's here to put me in. Jesus heals him anyways, right? The grace of God that's that's the grace of God right there. You don't even get what I'm saying. Be healed." God's like that. If you don't know that, get to know him. He's like that. He gave his love when we were singing right? when we didn't earn it. we didn't deserve it, but he gave it anyway. He gave it all. because he's like that. He is the manifestation of, of grace and of goodness. All of the things look to that to compare. Let's keep going. Let's keep that thought in our minds. Do you want to be healed? What do God and Satan have in common? You might know. Any Bible thumpers out there? One thing. They're both trying to kill you. Yeah. That's very true. Satan desires to kill you. God also to kill you. But to kill you so you can be resurrected. God desires death to self. Jesus said it's all his followers, Right? Anyone who should come after me, we'll take up his own cross. Uh, don't forget what a cross is, <laughs> an instrument of torture and ridicule, death. Anyone who comes after me will die. He who loses his life will find it. Uh, if you feel like this thought doesn't make sense, I encourage you to read the Bible. Your problem's not with this message. It is certainly with God himself. <laughs> God is trying to kill your old man, I promise. Um. Keep going. I had this vision one time that was really terrible. I was at my house, and actually, it was actually I was with The Awakening. We were over at that uh, shopping center on Alps, uh, where the pet store is, where you can go pet all the puppies. They're so smart, man. People buy sugar gliders out of that store, too, from what I hear, because they, they're so nice to touch. <laughs> but it's a good marketing plan. I could learn a lot, but... We're over there, and all of a sudden, we're, like, worshiping. We're having, like, our church meets there or something. There's these crazy cool things going on in the sky. We're like, oh, my gosh, like, God is moving. Again, it's just a dream. I'm like, you know, I'm not drawing this. It's cool, like, signs in the sky, and things are happening. All of a sudden, this fireball comes down out of the sky lands in the back of a truck. And we're all like, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, it's awesome. Except out of this truck, four, like, terrorists get out with like AKs, and they start spraying. They start mowing everybody down. The scene went from very, very awesome to very, very terrible. I was full of fear, right? I'm, I'm, I'm truly in this, in this dream watching all of my friends die. Uh, I responded. Uh, I, I ran in the dream. I run. I try to run. There's a door. It's locked. I turn back, and I see a guy approaching me. He's got, you know, just wearing his AK. As I'm backing up from him, I feel in my dream, again, this is like this prophetic. If you've ever had a dream that has life in it, that feel, that feels like there's qualities of life in it, taste, smell, touch, like I, in this dream, I felt gasoline being poured on me. If you ever had that, sometimes that's the way God speaks to me in dreams. It's the way I know the difference between a dream that's just of the flesh versus a dream that maybe. God is staring in me. There's life in it. There's qualities of life in it. I feel it. I experience it in a deeper measure. Um, I'm backing up, and someone's pouring gasoline on me. I can feel it. I can smell it. It's burning my skin. The man walks up to me. He's walking this way as I can feel this gasoline being poured on me, and he he has a match. And he goes to light it. Right when he lights it, I wake up. And I heard the Lord say, Are you ready to die? This was not a fun moment. This is, this is real. This was me in this moment. I'd be like, God, what? No, what you know, what, what, what? I know this is the way you speak to me. I mean, I was, I was nauseous for, I think, like 30 or 40 minutes. And I just sat with the Lord, and I asked my friends to pray for me, and, you know, just it was, it was bad. About an hour and a half in, I, I, I was just sitting there. And asking God, "What are you saying? What is this about? Does this mean something? Am I going to die? I mean, this is this is me and me and yours language. I know where this is from." And I uh, for the Lord said, "Like for what I want to unfold in your life, you're going to have to die." And I got it. I said, "Okay, it's a spiritual thing." <laughs> At least that's what I thought. <laughs> Turns out, spiritual death is is uh. Yeah, it was awesome, but it was, it was painstaking. Um, Lord asked me if I wanted to die. And what he meant is, am I ready for my old man to go? Am I ready? He's called me to things. He's called me things. Am I ready to, to be who the Lord has asked me to be? Am I ready to be myself, who God's made me to be? It's not like I'm aspiring to something. God has made me who I am. He's established it. Jesus' work on the cross is finished. I am who I am, and I am who God says I am. If you do not know what God thinks about you, stop and ask him, what do you think about me? Who am I? You don't have to aspire to it. It's not a performance chart. You are that person in Christ. The only thing you have to do is go be with the Lord. You have to abide in Christ, and the fruit will bear. It's already in you. You're already there. You're already that person. There's no time in heaven, right? God is above time. We think very linearly. Our whole world is performance-driven, climbing up the ladder. But in the eyes of God, you are already the full manifestation of who you are in Christ if you are born again. You just need to go be with God. Jesus says the fruit will bear if you abide. If you abide in Christ You will bear much fruit. It's because the thing that it is is already in you. You've been born again. Just abide in Christ and bear much fruit. He'll do it, He'll make it grow. An apple tree doesn't say to itself, Grow, grow. It just grows. It's an apple tree. Now, conditions affect an apple tree, right? But man, it doesn't have to tell its DNA to do its job. It knows who it is. Know who you are. Abide in Christ. He will bear the fruit in your life. So I, I chose slow death. That was a bad decision. But it changed my life. God, God came for me anyways. I told a friend this week when I was meeting with them, I said, hey, this uh, what I'm telling you cost me about 10 years. I pray it cost you one conversation. I chose slow death. I chose to not cut ties. With my fleshy ways, and I don't mean just sin. I mean the actual, like ingrained patterns. Relying on my own strength, uh, trusting in myself more than the leadership of Holy Spirit. Slow to obedience, slow, sluggard to obedience, allowing those things to stay. That's a slow death. It sucks. It's it's terrible. You you need to die as soon as possible and as quick as possible. I'm now living in resurrected life. Post depression, Jesus has come and resurrected my life. It's unreal. Ask anyone around me, ask any of my close friends. There are so many things popping off in my life. I didn't do anything for them except <laughs> be loved by God. I did nothing. I did nothing. Gracie, Gracie, like five years ago, prayed this incredibly, and this is why, this is why, one of the reasons I love you so much. She prayed five years, she's like, God, hide me until the man comes who you've sent. And don't remove your covering until the man who you've sent is here. Do that. Think of whatever the opposite of that is, and that's what I did. All right? But God's grace is bigger God's grace is bigger. Jesus' blood speaks a better word. And God had a better plan. But I'm just telling you, I, I chose slow death in many ways. I'd get out. I was back here one time, about six months in a depression. Had a really strange encounter here at church. I'm in the back, and I've never done this before. And I don't mind it. I just, it had never been an experience. I'm wailing. I'm like weeping. I'm you know, it's like a it was like a small child. I mean, I came in the door, and Jessica was like, what's wrong? And I was, Wah! I mean, i just, I was so broken. And I don't mean like I'm humbly coming to the altar of God and, and you know, repenting. I'm just like, my life sucks! <laughs> that was, I mean, I came in, and it was horrible. I'm in the back, probably half the church is like laying hands on me. They're like, God, what is wrong with him? You know, just like, it, was, it was a scene, and I wasn't trying to cause it. It's just where I was. And I remember that day the Lord lifted the depression. I'm like, how do you know he lifted it? If you walked around depressed and then you weren't depressed, you would know. You would know, okay? Like, <laughs> you would know. I wasn't depressed anymore. It was unreal. Two months later, I'm back depressed. Why? Was God's work not good enough? Did, did, did God, like, miss something? No, I just, I literally, I, you know, Scripture says very clearly, you know, so we must renew our minds. We must. We must know Him. We, we must allow the Lord to change us from glory to glory as we, as we behold Him. I didn't do any of that. I didn't do any of it. And I, I literally hand-walked my spirit back to depression. You know, Jesus had come and redeemed it and kicked depression in the teeth. And we're like dancing this way. And then I was like, no, 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 back here. Back here, you don't you're not ready for there. Honestly, you're a little scared to be that guy God's asking you to be. This is what you know. My depression did something for me, and that's twisted, but our flesh is. Who who you know? Jeremiah, it's like who the 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 heart is wickedly deceitful above all else. You know, this is not something you want to try and tame. Do not trust your flesh. You're, you, you must teach your flesh to submit to Christ. And God will give you grace in that effort. And it'll feel like you're getting better at being in stride with God, but what's happening is God's giving you grace as you, as you submit your flesh. Paul he used to beat his flesh into submission. Not literally, but just like the figure. It's like, it's a violent thing. It's like, no, this, I hate my morning, but God, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You know, we must teach our flesh. I chose slow death. I encourage accelerated death. Dying to self is the best fertilizer for spiritual growth. Think about it in the world, right? What is the best fertilizer? What do people pick up from farms and then sell? I mean, what? Manure, right? Your crap. It's the best fertilizer. Your crap is the best fertilizer. For your growth and your spiritual life. But it must hit the ground. You must take it off. It must. But it's the best fertilizer because you die. You die and it gives the Lord this open canvas to light you up. You know? Keep going. That's Scripture. I just wanted to share John three thirty. He must become greater and I must become less. The uh, fertilizer thing is a very biblical thought. Um, The question again, it's like it makes sense, right? You know, fertilizer, that's cool how that works in the ground, also in the spirit. But are you ready for your crap to be exposed? Or is it just more comfortable to kind of live in sin because you you don't know anything else? I know for me a lot of times it's been. It's been much more comfortable to live in my brokenness. Because at least I've spent 6, 7, 18 years trying to deal, trying to cope with this brokenness. So I know, I feel more comfortable coping than I even do with freedom. Because I don't know freedom yet in an area. I didn't know freedom from emotional brokenness. So I would choose depression over freedom. It sounds terribly stupid on paper. But in our, in our lives, in our hearts that are twisted, man. It makes a lot more sense. I'm just not sure what God's going to ask of me or even what's going to happen or even if it'll work. I'm not even sure if freedom's real for me. But coping is real, at least. At least I can cope. But Jesus didn't die, and the work of the cross isn't finished for us to cope. If Jesus would have just died, he'd have been like all the other guys that came before him. But he didn't. He resurrected. And that's what we do. He's, he's the first, right? Firstborn of all creation, so he goes first. He showed us what it was going to be. He died and then he resurrected. That is your life submitted in obedience to Christ. And that is my life submitted in obedience to Christ. If I die, he will resurrect me. I'm telling you, my life has had an incredible upgrade after I died. And obviously there's things the Lord's still working out. Do I think that this work is done? No, not close. Am I literally, like, being convicted? Like, in my whole message, the end of it is about the conviction Holy Spirit's been putting on me about, like, not losing the first love, about actually being a disciple. Yeah, I'm right there. But I'm telling you, there's a marked difference between my life before depression and after depression. Because depression was the first time that I didn't have the energy to cope and fight in all the ways I had been for so long. I was just dead. I didn't care. And from that place, the Lord changed my life and resurrected a different thing. And it touched everything I touch. My businesses, everything. My relationships, everything. Let's keep going. Somebody tell me what time it is. Nice. All right, so click, click two or three times. So the witness of John, the men that wanted to follow him for a while. This is John 5, 47. Jesus essentially goes down the line with the Pharisees, explaining to them uh, why what he's saying is legit, right? So here's what we've got. A healing on the Sabbath wasn't supposed to happen. Jesus comes in and says, no, it is supposed to happen. And then Jesus begins to explain to them why it was okay. The witnesses to Jesus, starting in John 33, he talks about John. You sent John. And he bore witness to the truth. Not that the testimony I receive is from man, but I say these things so you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp. And listen, he said, you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I'm doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. So he first says, John witness to me. The Father who's working through me bears witness to me. You know, he said if he came in his own name, they wouldn't receive him, right? Or excuse me, if, they, if he came in his own name, they would receive him. But if he came in the name of the Father, meaning the way of God, the things of God, when well, Scripture says in the name of Christ, uh, it's like in the way, like as a disciple would follow him, is moving in the way, in the teachings, in the in the spirit of it. They're doing just like the leader. So 37, the father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice, you've never heard. His form, you've never, and this I love when Jesus does, he just goes on like a rampage, just like, just spitting truth. He's like, I'm not sure what you're feeling about this, but this is the truth. I love that God's like that. His voice, you've never heard. His form, you've never seen. And you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You know, mic drop. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people. But I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name. And this is what the whole thing we're getting to today. I've come in my Father's name and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name... You will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes only from God? So if there's so many witnesses to Christ in this moment, why, why the Pharisees can't believe him? Why can they not? I want to watch a video. It's about three minutes long. How can you
1: believe, meaning you can't, when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? You can't believe. Why? Because you love the glory of man, not the glory of God. You love it. It feels so good to be praised, complimented, approved, applauded. It just feels so good. You don't want Jesus because you want praise from man. You want to be the center. You want to be in control. You want to be exalted. You want to be made much of. You want to be somebody. Pick whichever of those seems to fit you best. For me, they all fit perfectly. That's who I am. By nature, I I reverence the fall of man in its power over me. I was born this way. I was spitting out parent-controlling commands from the day I was three days old. And I've never changed in my root humanity until God moved and killed the old man and brought a new creature to life who, who hates this and wars on it day after day, which is the only reason I have any perseverance in faith at all. It's because God keeps showing up to help me keep putting that old man to death every day. I don't need to remember 50 years ago what this was like. I just need to remember an hour ago. Or maybe five seconds ago, hoping you're going to like this sermon. And who cares, right? Except that you be saved. It is so subtle. So, verse 43 seems to me pretty clear. You cannot believe if you have a love affair unchecked by the Holy Spirit, with the praise of man, with human glory, and no love affair with the glory of God.
0: I didn't know this, but back in 2009, John Piper preached a very similar message. Uh, I was just, I was preparing for this sermon, and I, I was looking up commentaries and things, and I found that. And that that's the same thing. Uh, you can go ahead and flip to the next slide, Sam, and just Put it all on there. I I feel like this is what the Lord said to me. I just thought it was cool that He was also doing it in the body so elsewhere too. the purpose too. of my preaching and the purpose of John's he writing said, is that God, you cannot believe. This is what John Piper said. He felt like the Lord was showing him. This is what the Lord, similar thing. You cannot believe if you have a love affair unchecked by the Holy Spirit with the praise of man, with human glory, and no love affair with the glory of God. I just thought it was so striking to me when Jesus said so directly. And again, I, I, I know God. I know how He is. I know He's direct, you know. I know He's that way. But it, it really, really struck me when He said to these people, how can you believe? When you only receive glory from one another and you do not want the glory from God, how can you believe? And I feel like the Lord began to talk to me for the next two hours about it as I was coming home. And was like, Jess, you, there, the praise of man is literally, wherever that exists in your life, it is directly in the way of receiving more from me. One of my prayers for the past six months, all the time, I haven't even crafted that. It's, it's something that I've, I've heard here in this community, and I've really been praying myself for really specifically six months I feel like I'll get in moments of times and worship and prayer with Jesus, and I'll say, Lord, expand the territory of my heart. I've actually come to a place where I believe you have great things for me. So expand my heart to receive it. Expand the territory of my heart. And I feel like this is the Lord's answer to me. Jesse, how can you believe? How can you believe if you only seek the glory that comes from other men? And I I was so convicted. I said, Lord, is that what I I do? I don't feel like I do that. Well, guess what? Don't trust your feelings. Trust the Holy Ghost. Trust God more than your feelings. Your feelings are indicators. Trust God above your feelings. says, all right, Lord, what does that look like? And here's the thing. Before me and Travis talked about vision for 2017 as a community. The Lord put the same thing on both our hearts. It was really cool. Just about Him taking us deeper in 2017 in intimacy, in faith. Just growing us as Christians. Growing us as a body. Growing our roots. I don't think this one is going to come for me in my life the way that others have come. Many things in my life God, in his sincere kindness, has spoon-fed me. Just spoon-fed, just, just, here you go, buddy. You know, left and right, left and right, left and right. My life is a testimony of favor and open doors and relationships and opportunities that I didn't earn. And I'm never going to earn this. But I don't think that this is coming in that same spoon-fed manner. And I do think this is a moment where God is asking me to move from milk to meat. Moving from the space where I just, I I show up in his presence, he delivers to me. I have consistent uh, friendships and opportunities at church and other places in my life that stir worship and kingdom things. You know, I meet with a kingdom business small group. That's awesome. And it's going really well. But that's like a spoon-fed thing for me. I show up and I get poured into for hours about my business and about what God thinks about my business. And I sit around the table with friends who are doing the same thing. But if I ask myself honestly, and if I'm honest with you guys as friends, I don't know that my life is marked. And wait, no, full honesty, my life cannot be marked to the same degree and is not marked to the same degree with just the absolute disciple's heart of carving out the time and space and sacrificing things that eternally mean nothing. You know, I I, I took some measures this year, right? We, we started Whole30. That was great. It also is terrible when you can't have a glass of wine at a dinner party. But we took communion, so it was all right. Um, we took Whole30. I, I used to read this Bulldogs recruiting website every day. It's like a $10 subscription, and I would read it like, If you're obsessed with Insta, I was like obsessed with Dogs247. So I took that off. I canceled my subscription. I haven't looked at Instagram in two weeks, and I've checked Facebook only a couple times, mostly to put up things that I need help with, my goals in 2017, one about a planner, one about a car. Guess what? It didn't do the thing I thought it was going to do. I thought if I just remove those things, I will then become hungry. I will then be hungry in a way that I haven't known recently for the Word of God. Not just like I know I need the Word. Not a mental assimilation. Like in my heart, I'm hungry. I long for it. When I go to bed, I want to pull it out. When I'm tired, I want to push through. When I wake up, I think about it. That's what I want. If I just remove these things, then no. In fact, my mind just found other ways. My heart found other ways to get lost in other things. My heart needs the help of God. And I feel like God is speaking to me to remove avenues in my life that are impeding the flow of His glory. And one of those is seeking glory from others. And I thought by removing these social media outlets of mine that I would immediately become hungry for the Word of God, and I have not. And I believe that God is asking me I believe that's exactly where he's taking me. But I believe he's, at, he's saying, Jesse, this is a moment, son, where you're moving from milk to meat. God asks us as we grow in our relationship with him to move from milk to meat. And I'm not exempt because I'm a pastor or a leader. I'm God's son. And he disciplines every son of whom he approves. And he's asking me to go from milk to meat, regardless of any other thing I have that says that I'm already there, which I'm not. So I encourage you and I charge you to ask yourself, because this is where we're going as a community. We are going and we are pursuing depth with Christ, groundedness in Christ and complete openness to the movement of the Holy Spirit among us. That is where we're going. So I ask you and I charge you to think about that and think about what that requires. And are you ready to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Do you desire to cut ties? Really, are you willing to pay the cost? Yesterday I had a tough day. And we couldn't figure out why. I was kind of feeling down. I was kind of feeling discouraged, lethargic, apathetic. If you've encountered depression, you know those words. I was like, I'm not depressed, but what's going on? Well, guess what? I had removed all the dopamine triggers in my life that kept me from encountering that. I had removed all the sweets, I had removed all the drinks, I had removed. All the little social media things that trigger dopamine to me to feel better. Oh. Oh Lord, I, I, I need I need you to touch this. All those things are band-aids. I've only removed them for two weeks. This is the first time I felt anything like depression. And I'm not depressed but it was that lethargic, apathetic, we need the Lord and we're going deeper in pursuit of Him and relationship with Him and that is going to cost. And if you have a long-standing issue in your life, I just charge you to ask yourself and your boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, friend, roommate, are you ready? Do you want to be healed? Are you ready to cut ties? You're going to have to learn a new way. You're going to have to learn new things that are not as comfortable. Is this the desire of your heart? Do you want to be healed? Anyways, I love you guys, and I, I just invite you into this process with me. This is where I am. This is my process right now before the Lord, with my wife, and, and with Jesus. And I believe God is taking me deeper. And he's showing me in kindness that, hey, son, it's, it's going to require more. It's going to require more. There's more sacrifice to this. This is not a spoon-fed exercise. So I know we've run way over. Stuart, Casey, if you guys will come forward. Um, we're going to put on some, some music. If anybody wants to receive prayer, I'd be more than happy to pray with you. If you'd like to receive a prophetic word, if you want someone to listen to God with you and share what God's saying, we're more than happy to do that. If anybody doesn't know Jesus, I'd love to talk to you. I would have never been a Christian. I would have never been a Christian except for Christ. That's not what I would be into ever. But I'm very much into Jesus because of who he is and what he's done. So, come talk to me. Come receive prayer. We'll see you guys soon. Bless you guys.